2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. On Wednesday nights, we're talking about, we started talking last week on the subject of righteousness. Righteousness. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14. Notice what it says. I'm reading now the NIV. It says this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. Now, how many have heard that scripture before? And what do you usually hear it concerning? Marriage. Marriage, right. But then notice what he says. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light have with darkness? Now let me read it out of the Living Bible. The Living Bible says it this way. Don't be teamed with those who do not love the Lord. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? Now go back to that one previously, that NIV. Go back to the NIV. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? And the New Living Bible says it this way. Go back to the New Living Bible. Notice what it says. For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? Notice, notice how the NIV calls the people of God righteousness. And it calls the people of sin wickedness. The people of God are called the righteous. The righteous. To the point that even the Lord calls us righteous. Okay? Tonight I would like to begin our lesson again by asking everyone to join me in saying the following. Here we go. I am righteous. Not because of what I do. But because of what Jesus did for me. Let's say it again. I am righteous, not because of what I do, but because of what Jesus did for me. Now, I want you to say this also with me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Let's say it again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Every time Satan tries to remind you of your past or your frailty or our weaknesses or our mistakes or our sins or our shame, you need to speak that out of your mouth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Most Christians have a sin consciousness instead of a righteous consciousness. And because we have a sin consciousness, instead of a righteousness consciousness, we are hindered in our faith and appropriating many of the benefits of God. We learned last week in our study of righteousness that we are either 100% righteous or we're not righteous at all. God does not grade on the curve. We're not 30% righteous some days, 70%, Sundays 95%, Tuesday morning 28%. We're either 100% righteous or we're not righteous at all. Righteousness, our righteousness, is not predicated by man's works. It has nothing to do 
with your works. Remember, righteousness is not something you do. It is something God does for us. So what is righteousness? We talked about this last week. What is righteousness? The word righteousness literally means right wiseness, or we would say it like this, right standing. So if we say a person is righteous, what we're saying according to the Word of God is they are in right standing with God. When you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what you are boldly declaring is, I am in right standing with God. Now what happens for most of us, most of us have a struggle saying that because all we think about all day long is our failures. And we think about our mistakes and we think about what we didn't do that we should have done. Or we think about what we did that we should not have done. And we have this sin consciousness instead of a righteousness consciousness. And what that does is it hinders our faith and hinders our boldness to go boldly to the throne room of God and to to obtain mercy and find grace to help when we pray. So we've got to change that. And we must understand, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The word righteousness literally means right standing. I am in right standing with God. I am in right standing. You are in right standing with God. You might have had some bad thoughts today. You might have said some things you should not have said. But if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and made Him the Lord of your life, you are in right standing with God. Because our right standing is not based upon our works. It's based upon our believing in Christ Jesus. In the Greek language, the word just and justified is the same as right standing or righteousness. The word righteous, just, justified, it means acquitted. We've been acquitted to pay off, to discharge, to set free from the charge. Everything that we failed, we've been acquitted of that. All of our failures, all of our sins, all of our mistakes, past, present, and future, have been acquitted because of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. There's not one sin that you and I have committed or will commit that is not covered by the blood of the Lamb. Not one sin that's not covered by the blood of the Lamb. So we are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. We are in right standing with God. Everybody repeat after me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am right now in right standing with God. Now, how does a person get in right standing? Let's review that for a second. Turn to Romans chapter 3, verse number 20. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse number 20. How does a person get in right standing with God? Well, notice what the Scripture says here. Therefore, no one, no one will be declared righteous or in right standing with God in God's sight by the works of the law. Rather, through the law, we become conscious of our sin. So here the Holy Spirit, through the Apostle Paul, says to the Christians at Rome, he he breaks forth a new revelation. Remember, these people, most of them come from a Jewish background, a background of works, a background that you had to do so many things right, from the way you dress to what you eat, uh, 
to how you walked in your house, to walk how you walked out of your house, how you brought sacrifices to the Lord, how you came to the, uh, the synagogue, how you prayed, how you read your Bible. All of that was encompassed with a bunch of activity that you had to do. And it was called the law or the works of the law. And, and that's the kind of the atmosphere that they have to do all this stuff before they can ever get righteous or be in right standing with God. And the Holy Spirit through Paul says, no, let me share the new revelation. And the new revelation is this. No one will be declared righteous. No one will be declared righteous in God's sight by the works of the law. The Holy Spirit says that no person can get in right standing with God by their works or by their deeds. It's not what you wear. It's not that you wear the right thing. Now, we need to dress moderately. But I know a lot of people that are moderately dressed that are not in right standing with God. We need to eat properly. And that's up, that's up to conjecture, what is proper. Yeah. But, but whether you have a Dairy Queen blizzard, glory to God, or a salad with oil and vinegar, it doesn't determine our righteousness. Now, if you keep eating blizzards, you're going, you in your righteous, overweight body is going to see a righteous God a lot sooner than a person eating a salad with oil and vinegar. But nonetheless, it doesn't make what we wear, what we eat, how we walk in, how we, how we pray. And none of this stuff, the Bible says, none of these things, no one is in right standing with God by their works or by their deeds. You and I cannot pray long enough. We cannot serve long enough. We cannot attend church enough during the week or give enough money to gain God's favor. And this concept, a belief that a person can get in right standing with God without doing a bunch of religious actions, was and is still to this day a concept too good to be true that most people don't really believe. Most of us still believe we've got to do some good stuff to get God to like us. We've got to act good to get his favor. Most of us still believe that subconsciously. You say, well, I I know that's not true. But subconsciously, we believe that. For example, have you ever had one of those days in which you didn't feel very spiritual? Has anybody ever had those days beside me? You just didn't feel very spiritual. We used to say it in the Pentecostal tribe, I just don't feel God. I just don't feel God. And suddenly something comes up and you need to pray. But you think it's useless to pray because you don't feel spiritual. So what do you do? You get off off from feeling. And then you feel confident to go pray. Well, see, that's works of the law. You think your right standing is based upon your feelings. Your right standing is based upon something you do, not something God did for you. Or here's another one. Have you ever had one of those moments in which you didn't respond as a Christian as you should have? And you're dealing with regret and shame and condemnation, and then you're asked to pray for someone. 
You're asked to pray in behalf of someone else. So you begin all this repenting before you ever start to pray because you think God's not pleased with you. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Or have you ever had this experience that you think the rapture, the catching away of the church had taken place and you were left behind? And you start repenting. See, these are examples of people who believe that their works contribute to their right standing with God. We all have a little bit of that in us. Our works contribute to the right Our works are important, but they do not make us righteous. The Bible says no man becomes righteous or in right standing with God by the works of the law. Now, our works will help us become more sensitive to the things of the Spirit. Our works often will bring our flesh under control. Our works can get our minds, our soulish realm, to settle down and calm down. Our works can bring blessing to humanity, but our works do not put us in right standing with God. No man gets in right standing with God by works. Look with me at Romans chapter 3, verse 21 again. Look at this. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known. He says, okay, now, you can't be made in right standing with God by the works of the law. I'm going to tell you how you can be made in right standing with God apart from the works of the law. He says, but now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness, this right standing with God, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So how do we get in right standing with God? Too good to be true. That's why it's called the good news. By believing in the Lord Jesus Christ. You mean we don't have to do anything? We don't have to go anywhere? We don't have to dress a certain way? We don't have to do certain disciplines all day long to be in right standing with God? No, nobody can get in right standing with God by the works. The Bible says this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified. The word justified and in right standing means the same thing. For all are justified freely. Everybody say freely. Freely. We're justified freely. Doesn't cost you anything. By His grace. Through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement. Through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness. Because in his forbearance he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith. Who have faith or who believe in Jesus. Verse 27. Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Because of what law? The law that requires work? No. Because of the law that requires faith. He says, how can you boast 
Where is the boasting that God loves you and that you're in right standing? Is it through the law? He says, can you boast because you've done this and you've done that and you wore this and you went here and you served this way and you gave this much? He says, is that where you can boast? He says, no, Lord, no, you can't boast over that because it doesn't come through the works. He says, where is boasting? The law that requires works? No, because of the law, because of the law that requires faith. For we maintain that a person is made righteous, is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. Well, there's got to be more to it than that. There goes back to we got to do something to gain God's favor. And I'm telling you, the Word says, and this caused the world, this revelation caused the world to be turned upside down during the dark ages. This revelation right here, that Christ has redeemed man, this is the revelation that caused Jesus to be put on the cross. This revelation, that you do not have to go through the Jewish laws to be right standing with God. Jesus says, I am paying the price for all of that stuff. And it caused him to be crucified. It caused the Reformation to take place. Several hundred years ago, that you don't have to go through works. It's by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And even to this day, if we were honest with ourselves, most of us still struggle with that. Because we have been taught all of our life, and rightly so in the kingdom of man, that to get ahead, to get favored, to get promotion, you've got to work and earn it. But when it comes to right standing with God, it's by faith and by faith alone. Listen, if a person does not attain right standing with God by works, then how do we get in right standing with God? Verse 22. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. How do we get in right standing with God? By faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. Faith in Jesus Christ. How many of you have accepted and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of sins? Raise your hand. You qualify for righteousness. That's all you have to do. Everything since then does not make you in more right standing with God. Either you're 100% righteous or you're not righteous at all. Since then, all of our works could have drawn us closer to Him. All of our works could make us more sensitive to the things of the Spirit and help us to be better disciplined as Christians. But it doesn't make God love us anymore. Because we have been made righteous by the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. If God expects good works from us, then what purpose are the good works? What purpose do the good works serve? Okay, pastor, if we don't have to do good things to get God to love us, then why do we need to do good things? He's going to love us anyway. Why do we need to do good things? Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. Notice what it says. For we are God's handiwork, Created in Christ Jesus, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. We are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Notice we have been made righteous apart from our good works because of what Jesus did. But we have been born again now so that we'll do good works. 
We don't do good works to get born again. We do good works. Our good works should follow our redemption in Christ Jesus. We are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Our good works are a result of our relationship with Jesus, not a pathway to get us into relationship with Jesus. I do good works now. The Bible says that Jesus went about doing good. Jesus went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So if we're followers of Jesus, we need to go about doing good. Now, why do we need to go about doing good? So Jesus will love us? No. (laughs) No, we're in right standing with him because of what we believe, not because of what we do. We go about doing good because we want to do the works of Jesus. He said, the works that I do shall ye do also, and greater works than these shall ye do. He says, let your good works shine before men so that they may glorify your Father which is in heaven. Our good works are our our response to what Jesus has done for us. They are a response, not to try to get his attention. They are a response to what Jesus Christ has already done for us. In the next several weeks, you're going to be hearing about some serving opportunities, some good work opportunities that Family Worship Center is entering in with the community agencies. Here you're going to hear Sunday how Family Worship Center is hooking up with the the Murfreesboro Fire Department to uh, put uh, um, smoke detectors in people's uh, homes that can't afford them. And we're going to take a Saturday, and they need 100 volunteers from our church to go into these people's homes and take a morning, and they tell you what homes to go into and, and to put smoke detectors and help, help people. You say, what do we get for that? We don't get nothing. Well, is that going to make us closer to Jesus? No, it's not going to. You're already close to Jesus. You're doing it because you are close to Jesus. You know, most of these people are never going to step inside of a church, but the church is going to step inside their house. And how do you do it? By preaching? No, you do it by good works. The Bible says, ye are the salt of the world. The Bible says, ye are the light of the world. Now, how how can they see our light? How can they taste our salt and our preservation that we have in Christ Jesus? By our good works. Our good works. All right? So we work in response to what Jesus has done. Not to get his favor, okay? And if you understand that, tomorrow morning when you wake up and you've got something you've got to pray about, you don't have to check and see if you're spiritual or not. Because you're already the righteousness of God in Christ. You have free access to the throne of grace regardless of how you feel. Because of what Jesus Christ has done for us. The greatest benefit that Amanda and I have learned over these years of being in right standing with God, the benefit, the greatest, there's many and we'll talk about more of them in the weeks to come, but the greatest benefit is that we, number one, we learn to reign in life instead of being ruined by life. When you realize, when you get it settled in your heart, when it becomes part of your spiritual DNA, when you can get to the point when Satan no longer affects you, when he condemns you because of your past, or reminds you because of a failure of days gone by, when you get to the point that that no longer affects you, then all of a sudden now you're at a place where you can start reigning over him instead of being ruined by him. Look with me. Let me give you a scripture. Turn to Romans chapter 5. 
Look at Romans chapter 5. One of the greatest verses that most Christians don't even know, it's in the Bible. Romans chapter 5, verse number 17. Notice what it says. For if by the trespass of the one man... Do you know who that's referring to? Who, 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 what one man trespassed that got us all in trouble? Adam. For if by the trespass of one man, Adam, death reigned through that one man. Death reigned, death passed upon all men because of Adam. How much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? He literally says, he says, if death and destruction and Satan reigned over mankind because of one man, Adam, how much more to those who have received the gift of righteousness shall they not reign in life because of Christ Jesus? The word reign means to enjoy the activity of life in fellowship with Christ and His sovereign power. All right? To reign means to enjoy the activity of life in fellowship with Christ and His sovereign power. Look at, I want to read Romans 5, 17 from the Living Bible. It says this, The sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to be king over all. But all who will take God's gift of forgiveness and acquittal or righteousness are kings of life because of this one man, Jesus Christ. Now some of you, this is a hard concept for to reign as kings in life. See, oh well, we want to be humble. We want to be, we want to be humble. We don't want to get proud and lifted up. Let me tell you something. You don't have to worry about that. Life will keep you humble. Life will keep you humble. We need to be reminded that we are to reign over the devil. We're to reign over, over circumstances and problems instead of them reigning over us. That doesn't mean that we don't have trials. It doesn't mean that we don't have temptations. It doesn't mean that things don't try to attack us. But when the day is said and done, it does not steal our victory, our joy, our peace, and our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We reign in life in Christ Jesus. So many Christians today, though righteous, though they're righteous, they're Christians, they're righteous. They've accepted Christ, so they're in right standing with God are not experiencing the blessings of righteousness. They are not reigning in life. Instead, they're being ruined by life. They're ruined by life. All they talk about is their wounds. All they talk about is their pain. All they talk about is their problem. They believe in Jesus. They are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the Bible says if you are, you should be reigning in life over the devil. But to hear many Christians talk, the devil is reigning in their life. And it should not be that way. It should not be that way. Look at Romans chapter 1. Everybody still with me? I got nine minutes, so here we go. Notice what Paul says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. You've heard this verse. You've heard those great preachers, Pentecostal preachers. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. 
I used to try to preach like that, and I'd get hoarse and get sinus infection, get out of breath and get lightheaded. I remember I was getting all excited one Sunday many years ago, and before I knew it, I about passed out getting lightheaded. For I'm not ashamed. And some guys can preach this. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, notice what it says, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Verse 17. Notice verse 17. We, we know verse 16, but look at verse 17. Verse 17 makes 16 work. For therein, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous live by faith. Now I want you to concentrate with me for just a second on this verse. For we've all heard this verse, but we miss what the Spirit is saying. Look what verse 16 says. For I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the good news. I'm not ashamed of the Bible. I'm not ashamed of the message of Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of the word of God. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Because it, the gospel, is the power of God that brings salvation. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation. Now stop right there. That word salvation. See, most of us hear that. We read that verse and we think, Well, yeah, that's the gospel that brought us salvation, getting saved, getting born again, getting our sins remitted. But it doesn't stop right there. The word salvation in the Greek is the word soteria. And it means deliverance. It means safety. It means preservation. It means healing. It means soundness. So listen to what he says. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the word of God, for it is the gospel, it is the word of God that brings my deliverance. It is the word of God that brings my healing. It is the word of God that brings my soundness. It's the word of God that brings my preservation. It's the word of God that brings my safety. He says, I'm, so, so that verse has, no, we limit it when we just think about the gospel helped us get saved. It helps us get saved from sin, but it also helps us get healed. It helps us get set free. It helps us get preserved. It helps our mind to become sound. The gospel, I had, I had an email from a person yesterday that said, Pastor, help me, I'm struggling with healing. I'm struggling, I'm suffering, and I'm struggling with healing. I'm wrestling. His words were, I'm wrestling with healing. And the Spirit of God just rose up into me and I said, Stop wrestling and start nestling. Nestling in what Jesus has accomplished for you. Just, just, just rest in what He's already done for you. The gospel, the gospel brings us healing. The gospel brings us breakthrough. It brings us deliverance. It's the gospel. Now notice what he says. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. The gospel brings healing. It brings preservation. It brings deliverance. It brings safety. It brings soundness. You know, I've been criticized for my emphasis on the Word of God in the Pentecostal ranks. I've, had, uh, I've even had people leave our church 
because they want to see more gifts in operation. And I hear that quite often. Pastor, why don't, why don't you have more gifts operating through you? Well, I don't say, well, why don't you have them operating through you? You know, you know I'm not the only one called here. What about you? You know, here's what we need to understand. I love the gifts. I seek the gifts. The Bible says, seek you the best gift. I seek, I seek them. In my prayer time, Lord, I'm, 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 I always make myself available. I always leave room for the gifts to manifest. Have you ever noticed on Sunday morning, at the end of praise and worship, I'll carry a little. I'm just waiting to see if the Spirit of God is going to manifest in any way. But you don't turn the manifestations or the gifts of the Spirit on like a water faucet. You, you hear these, well, everybody that comes to this meeting is going to get a word. Well, I'm going to tell you, not everybody's going to get a word from God. They might get a word. You don't turn that stuff on and off like a water faucet. The gifts manifest as the Spirit wills. As the Spirit wills. The manifestations of the Spirit occur as the Spirit wills or He desires. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Let me show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 7. Notice what it says. Now to each one of the manifestation, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, now you're not going to get, you're not going to hear much teaching on this in a lot of churches, because they just want to stay away from the manifestations or the gifts of the Spirit. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. The King James calls it the word of wisdom. What's the word of wisdom? The word of wisdom is a word, a short message of facts in the mind of God that pertain to the future. Okay? Word of wisdom pertains to the future. Facts in the mind of God that pertain to the future. To another, a message or word of knowledge. What's the word of knowledge? It's divine facts in the mind of God that pertain to the present or the past. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another faith, special faith, that's a special faith, miracle-working faith, by the same Spirit. To another, here we go, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. Have you noticed the word gifts is plural? Gifts of healing. Gifts of healing. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 that Philip went down to Samaria and preached Christ to them. Many that were lame were healed. Acts chapter 8, the Bible says, Philip, who was a deacon, went down to Samaria and preached Christ. The Bible says the whole city got saved. And said many miracles were done, and many that were lame were healed. Doesn't say any blind got healed, doesn't say any deaf got healed. It says many that were lame were healed. So it's very apparent from that verse of Scripture that Philip had some kind of special gift in ministering to people who couldn't walk. Over the years, uh, I've been with various ministers who have a healing ministry, and I've watched them. People who have certain things get healed under their ministry, but other people didn't get healed under their ministry. See, nobody has the Spirit without measure. Only one person had the Spirit without measure, and his name was Jesus Christ. The rest of us have an earnest of the Spirit. Notice, I mean, it's just plain. There's gifts of healing. Gifts. Nobody does it all. There's gifts of healing. That's why I tell people all the time, if they get diagnosed with a, a cancer, uh, and they've only got so many months to live, get into a healing meeting. 
Get into a meeting where people are flowing in the gift of healing so you can get your healing. Okay? Get into that kind of meeting. There are gifts of healing. Notice what he says. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinct, distinguishing between spirits. Or one translation says discerning of spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. To another, still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these, all these are the work of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them to each one just as he, what? determines. Not as we determine. It's as He determines. So notice the gifts, the manifestations of the Spirit operate as the Spirit decides. Not as I decide. Not as you decide. Not as the board decides. It's as He decides. I cannot choose when they will operate. I can help set the stage for them to operate. I can provide room for them to operate. I can pray and ask the Lord for them to operate. But I cannot operate the gifts at will. Anybody that tells you they can, they're not operating on the Holy Spirit. They're operating by a familiar spirit. I've learned I cannot guarantee the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation. But I can always guarantee the power of God will be in operation when I proclaim the Word of God. Okay. I cannot guarantee that the gifts of the Spirit will be in operation this Sunday. But I guarantee you the power of God will be in operation when the Word goes forth. Okay. For I am not ashamed, Romans 1.16, of the gospel because it is. The gospel is the power of God. The gospel is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who hears. Oh, I just wish people get all excited about some manifestation, some teeth being filled with gold, some gold dust falling down, feathers falling from heaven. People get all, all worked up and all excited about that. But I'm going to tell you, every time you hear the Word of God, the power of God can operate. In fact, Peter says, I've got a more sure word of prophecy. And it's called the Word of God. The gospel, the Word of God, brings deliverance. The Word of God brings safety. All right? The Word of God brings preservation. The Word of God brings healing. The Word of God brings soundness. Now, let me close with this. What gives the gospel the Word of God its power? He says, in the gospel is the power of God. What gives the gospel the Word of God its power? How is it that you and I can read a few chapters of our Bible, and it's just as the Lord is speaking straight to us. How is it that you can just pick your Bible up randomly one morning and read it, and it's as if God is reading your mail? How is it that these words, the Bible, can speak such comfort to us in times of hurt, even though they were written hundreds and some thousands years ago. How can they speak comfort? How do they still have life today? What gives the gospel its power? Go back to Romans 16, chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Verse 17, for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. The reason the gospel has power 
The reason the gospel has power is because the gospel is the declaration of the righteousness of God. Did you know it's the job of every preacher to declare to the listeners that they can be righteous if they'll trust Christ? It is the job of every preacher to make people feel righteous, not to make them feel guilty. It's the job of every preacher to make people feel righteous, not to make them feel guilty. It is only as a person sees their righteousness that they're able by faith to move into the blessings of Christ. You'll never move into the blessings of God feeling guilty. I used to think years ago that my job was to make people feel guilty. I'd call every sin. I'd give an altar call. I'd call every sin that they'd ever, that ever been named to try to get somebody up there to feeling guilty and crying. That never gets people healed. The righteousness, the, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. For therein, in the gospel, is the righteousness of God revealed. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed. It's my job to help people to know they're righteous. They're in right standing with God. How many friends or relatives do you know who love Jesus, but they're defeated by life? Why? They're not reigning in life. Life is ruining them. Why? Because they do not understand their right standing with God. Believing, understanding, and proclaiming our righteousness, our right standing with God, releases the blessings of God in our life. Over the years... I've worked with alcohol. I've watched as alcoholics and prostitutes have walked into my church services and instantly be saved, delivered, and set free. I've watched prostitutes and alcoholics walk in and instantly be saved, delivered, and set free. Then at the same time, a saint of God who'd been serving God for 30 years would stand back and say, that's just not fair. I've been serving God all these years and can't get my breakthrough. This person who has lived an ungodly life walks in and gets it instantly. It's just not fair. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Thank you. See, the saint, that saint is ignorant of the righteousness of God. God doesn't heal because of our good works. God heals because we trust and believe in His grace. In fact, God cannot heal until we stop trying to earn it. God cannot heal until we stop trying to earn it. Unfortunately, many Christians have a sin consciousness instead of a righteousness consciousness. Think tomorrow. Think tomorrow if you woke up and it was the first thing that come out of your mouth. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Think tomorrow when you walked into work and you walk in with the attitude, I'm in right standing with God. Think tomorrow afternoon, middle of the afternoon, somebody comes up to you and says, I'm really struggling. My marriage is, I'm just really struggling. And you have this attitude, I'm in right standing with God. You know what you're going to do? I'm in right standing with God, so let me pray for you right now. Because he hears me when I pray. I don't have to go off in the corner somewhere and repent for 15 minutes. I don't even have to call my preacher and get him to pray because I'm in right standing with God. I can pray. 
You see, when we get that consciousness, I'm in right standing with God. And then all of a sudden, Satan tries to attack your children. He tries to attack your family. He tries to attack your finances. And you realize I'm in right standing with God. You just bow up and say, no, no, we're not having that. Here, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I reign in life. Death does not reign over me. Debt does not reign over me. Brokenness and drama does not reign over me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I reign in life in Christ Jesus. It totally changes your whole concept. If you and I understand that we're in right standing with God. Well, pastor, how do I get that? I'm not there. I still feel dirty. I still feel unspiritual. I still remind of my past and my failures. Next week, don't miss it. 